you have your Bibles, I want you to open it to the Scriptures concerning Holy Communion for just a little while today. First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. Holy Communion services are being conducted. Many churches do it on the first of the month. Uh, you can do it as often as you like. You can do it intermittently. Some people do it on Easter, and they do it on Christmas, and they do it at candlelight services. Some do it quarterly. Uh, Jesus didn't put a, or, or the apostles either, didn't put a particular time for it. In fact, one time I had, a, I had the honky flu, and that's not just flu for white folk. Amen. It's when you just honk your head off all day and all night and you blow all of that greenish yellow stuff out of your nose and everybody said, ew. But you've seen it. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. It's bad. I had had prayer at church and there was no relief. I had antibiotics and there was no relief. I took the cold medicine that trucked that fought the symptom, but it didn't get down into the 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 root of it, and and uh, the fever remained, and all the junk remained, and, and it was wearing me down, and uh, and I, I was wondering where do I go from here? I've been to God, I've been to the doctor, a clinic at that time, I've been to the places I needed to go to get help. I'm not against doctors. I believe the whatever they know, God gave them the knowledge to help people. Every good and perfect gift comes down, and I believe medical knowledge is a good gift. How about you? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't you thank God for the pharmaceutical company that made the, uh, the painkiller that helped with your toothache? Amen. Thank God for laughing gas. Amen. Uh, at the, uh, as they call it. At the, uh, uh, you never had that? You ought to go in and just get some sometimes. Say, I don't want to, I don't have any dental work. I just need, uh, I just need laugh. I just need cheering up. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> I'll pay. <laughs> What's it called? Just put me under and, and cheer me up. There's something better than that. And it's the joy of Jesus and the joy of the Lord today. But I did everything that I knew to do. And, uh, and you know something? Somehow or another, we were, we were just young Christians, baby Christians, and we didn't know what else to do. You know, we, 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 we decided, you know, oh, oh, yeah, we bound the devil on top of that just in case he had some involvement in it. And so we bound the devil. We had prayer at church. We, went, we got some medications. We took the medication. We did everything, covered all the bases. And, uh, and, and we were sitting there thinking about Holy Communion. Just the, we didn't do it very often in our church, but we were just thinking about what it meant and what it signified, the blood of Christ and, and that was shed for us, the body of Christ that was broken for us. And we got over in the Bible and, and found out when they, when they were getting ready to come out of Egypt, they, they, they killed the lamb and they put the blood on the doorpost, of the threshold of their home. The death angel passed them by, but they did something else with that lamb. They were to eat it. They were to eat the flesh of it. And I thought, okay, we got the blood and we got the body broken and partaken of. And, and what was the purpose of the eating of the lamb? Well, one purpose we figured out way back then, according to Psalm 100 and verse 5, he brought them out of Egypt with silver and gold. In other words, they, they gave them gifts to get rid of them because they didn't want the plagues anymore. Amen. They were once slaves to them. Now, they, because God was doing what he was doing, they were glad to see them go. 
They came to try to kill them because they were mad at them afterwards. But initially, they were glad to see them go because they couldn't take any more of the plagues that were coming on Egypt. He brought them out with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble one among them. We're talking about over two million people, various stages of health and age. And one thing, I love Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments. I love that movie from way back when, when Charleston Heston played the best Moses I've ever seen. Amen. And yet, there was something wrong and unbiblical in it. It wasn't a terrible thing, but it's something a large portions of Christianity and the church don't seem to get today. Amen. And it was that they were, they were hauling the feeble and the sick on carts out of Egypt. No, nobody was hauled on a cart out of Egypt. They all walked out of Egypt in full strength because they didn't just put blood on the doorpost. They ate the flesh of the lamb. And we don't just drink something from the cup. We partake of what? What they partook of physically, we partake of spiritually. And that is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ broken for us. And we do what? We partake of that. We're to eat it, and as often as we eat it, we declare the Lord's death till He come. We declare that it's His broken body, His shed blood that, that saves us. And we found out that there's healing in that broken body with His stripes, with, every, with the piercing of His hands. He was wounded. Surely He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. And, that is the, and that's before with His stripes. That's really secondary to this primary. Because the Bible said in the book of Matthew, they brought the sick out of every quarter. They brought the halt, the lame, and the blind. And when he saw them, he had compassion on them and healed their sick, that it might be fulfilled by the prophet Isaiah, saying, He carried our sicknesses and bore our diseases. That's how St. Matthew interpreted Isaiah chapter 53. And that's what the word means griefs and sorrows is not just broken hearts it's actual sickness and disease and that's why matthew interpreted it that way in your bible but we're so far from that today and we've got cessationists that do not believe in the supernatural i don't know how they can believe in god if they don't believe in the supernatural i don't know how they can teach the bible without believing in the supernatural god would have to quit being god amen in order for the supernatural to quit occurring can you say man so we had some we had some i don't even know if we had grape juice i think we we had orange juice but it was fruit of the fruit of the tree wasn't but it was something symbolic it wasn't about the the actual elements i got a piece of of hillbilly bread remember hillbilly bread raise your hand if you do you're too young for that uh, uh, you're too sophisticated for that. Uh, amen. Uh, so, but it was, a, it, when they first came out with the brown breads, you know what I'm saying? They called it hillbilly bread. 
And we had hillbilly bread. It was good with bologna and mustard and spam. How many remember spam? You're not too sophisticated for spam. You like spam. Did you know they have spam conventions in some states? You should go to one. (laughs) It's people that said, I love my spam. Don't ever ask what's in it. Just keep loving it. Can you say amen and eating it? Don't. Hawaii, that's where that originated. Well, that's not a bad thing. Oh, okay, spam on everything in Hawaii. Oh, I didn't know that. Praise God. Go to Hawaii to a spam convention. <laughs> we got hillbilly bread, a piece of hillbilly bread, a crust of bread. And a little bit of juice that we had, some kind of juice. It could have been Hawaiian punch. I don't know what we had, but it was juice. And I sat down with my wife, and I took that bread, and I chewed it up. Maybe this was just a point of contact that I needed to release my faith. I can't say that. I'm I'm just saying that in this communion service where we celebrate the death of Jesus, it's the body and the blood. Say it with me. The body and the blood. The body and the blood. The body and the blood. The wafer representing his body broken. The fruit of the vine representing his blood poured out. And I did that. And and I, I said, Lord, right now, right now, right now, I believe that what you did at the cross provided a way for me to receive help and healing from your hand. I've already received salvation. But I need to be healed. Because I've done everything else. And nothing seems to be working and I seem to be getting worse. And it wasn't an hour after that until the fever broke. And it didn't mean that I was fine at that moment. It meant that the fever broke. And when the fever breaks, it means whatever's operating against you, the white blood cells are not rushing to fight it anymore, creating the fever. That meant it's it, God broke it. God just broke it. Hallelujah. Because when they came out of Egypt after putting the blood on the doorpost and eating the lamb, can you say amen? Everybody say blood and body. Amen. Christ, our Passover. That's why the Passover is significant. Amen. He instituted the Lord's Supper while they were celebrating Passover. They were not celebrating Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. They were celebrating celebrating Passover when He instituted the Lord's Supper. Can you say amen? And what were they celebrating? What was He going to typify? All of that pointed to one that would come and pour out His blood. And have his body broken. But through that, salvation comes. And some people just see the salvation part of that. But there's deliverance with that. There's healing with that. There's help with that. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Well, God healed me because I had a, I had, we had our, ourselves a, a little personal us and Jesus. Holy communion service. So you don't have to wait for a priest to lead you in it. You don't have to wait for a preacher to say it. If you want to have communion at home, you just feel you want to have communion. Amen. You're not breaking some religious rule. It's not mandatory that a priest serve you. Amen. Because you have a high priest over the house of God. And and he doesn't wear an Armani suit. (laughs) He wears a robe of righteousness. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. 
Well, he's the high priest of my confession. He's the high priest of my salvation, interceding with me before the Lord. And 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26 says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he also took the cup. And when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament, literally, new covenant in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. One translator says, You proclaim the Lord's death till he come. I like the amplified. It says, Representing, signifying, and proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death till He come. Now I want to add to that. It's not just saying Jesus died on the cross. That's not what we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming Jesus died on the cross for me. It's not just saying He did die. No, He died for me. He died as my substitute. He died in my place. He suffered because of my sin. And He forgave me my sin and set me free. And I proclaim it in the Lord's Supper. And I don't just do it here. But when I walk out that door, I'm not ashamed. I'm still a proclaimer of that great truth. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation. And the gospel, the core of the gospel is what? Jesus and Him crucified. Jesus on the cross. The preaching of the cross, by the way, is to them that perish, them that don't get it and don't receive it, foolishness. But unto them who are saved, it is the power of God. Can you say amen? We know that that power that brought salvation to us, that resurrection power that regenerated us, it flowed from what Christ did at the cross. And with His stripes, who, who, 1 Peter 2.24, who, who Himself bare our sins in His own body, with whose stripes ye were healed. Praise God. Hallelujah. The, in Isaiah 53, prophetic of what He would do. It says, with His stripes ye are healed. But looking back at the cross in 1 Peter 2.24, it says, with His stripes ye were healed. It's not something God decides to do on a day-to-day individual basis. It's something He provided in Christ at the cross. Were is past tense. Can you say man? And that's why the Bible says, see, they knew that. And that's why the Bible said, if there's any sick among you, call the elders, let them anoint them with oil. Any sick among you? Talking to the Christian community. Anybody with any need. Why? Because a provision has been made. Amen? You can't say that unless a provision has been made. Large portions of the church world do not understand a provision has been made. At the cross. We celebrate the new sanctuary. God provided to build that new sanctuary. As if the sanctuary, the building of stone and stained glass and steeple is more significant to God than the temple.
Paul put it this way. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and that God dwells within you? To whom shall I? I mean, it, it just, it's so incredible to me. I thought, boy, when I got saved, I'm so glad I went to a church where they prayed for the sick. I'm so glad I went to a church that believed that God still answered prayer today. And since there's so little answered prayer today and so little healing of the sick, there's so many churches that just, to, to make up for that clear emptiness of presence and power, they come up with doctrines to do away with it. If you buy into that, that's fine until you get in a real need. But if you get in a real need, something only God can do, and you need the supernatural and faithful God to move in your behalf, I would advise you to get in a church that teaches you that Jesus Christ is not a past tense person of history, but He's the same yesterday, today, and He will be forever. Can you say amen? That's my suggestion to you. Amen. Let the dead bury the dead. Come and follow me, He said. Can you say, man, why seek ye the living among the dead? He said on resurrection morning. Don't go to a cemetery looking for the living God and the resurrected Christ. I didn't say seminary. I said cemetery. But some seminaries have become, amen, spiritual cemeteries. Because people get so highly qualified in theology, but they know little about neology. Can you say amen? They don't know how to pray in faith and see God move by His Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. And they depend on their ability to preach and teach than the Holy Spirit's anointing. And it's only the anointing that breaks yokes. And we all need yokes broken in our life. Hallelujah. All right. Having said that, there was not one feeble one among them not one feeble one among them so if you want to get it accurate i believe god wants to keep you healthy till you die and you will die of something but until you die i believe he wants to help you and heal you moses was 120 years old but he had something to accomplish for god he prayed god would take him home and god wouldn't God gave him a wisdom answer. Take part of the anointing that was on him and spread it among 70 men. Wow. New Testament, choose you seven men. Full of the Holy Ghost. Not full of themselves. Not full of the world or full of the devil, but full of the Holy Spirit. And give them some responsibilities and let them help you. That we might give ourselves, he said, to what? To fasting and prayer. And the preaching of the Word. The study of the Word. So that we can preach accurately. Alright, listen to this carefully. We proclaim His death till He come. So the focus of the Lord's Supper is upon the death of our Savior. It's about a broken body. It's about shed blood. It's about the extent Christ was willing to go to save us. And not only us, but all who come to Him. William Carey, the great missionary to India, when he lay dying during those days of his earthly life, he said to a close friend, I have no other hope of salvation than through the death of my Lord and Savior. To him, the death of Christ was indispensable. There was no real, genuine, life-redeeming hope without it. It was in the same peaceful spirit that Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the prominent English preacher of past years, faced the demands of death. He said upon his deathbed, 
My theology is now in four little words. Jesus died for me. I did not say this is enough to preach were I to live, but it's certainly enough to die upon. Can you say amen? See, it gets real simple when you face the, the, the reality of your mortality. When it comes time for me to die, my wife can hold my hand, but only God can give me peace in my heart. Some of you could come around my bed and comfort me, but that peace that passes understanding can't come from you. It can only come from Him. And it gets very simple after a while. Christ died for me. I'm not afraid of the judgment to come. I believe His blood was sufficient. And I've received Him and proclaim Him as my Savior. I proclaim His death until He comes in my behalf. Can you say amen today? Glory to God. We're not saved by adhering to all of Christ's teachings. Although true Christians seek to obey Him in all things. I said true Christians. We're not saved by Christ's miracle working power. Though when we are saved, His power is infused into the believer and is available to us. We're not saved because He prayed for us and asked the Father to forgive us. We're saved because Jesus died for us. Took our place on the cross. And every time we receive Holy Communion, we celebrate and proclaim that Jesus died for our sins. And that is the only hope of our salvation. Amen? The only hope of our salvation. But I just told you something early on that you just might know. That with those same stripes, healing was made available to the children of God. Hallelujah. When He brought them out, there was not one. Well, where did that come from? What happened? What occurred? It had to be one thing. Because the blood was so the death angel would pass over them. Hence the Passover. Can you say, man, when I see the blood, I will what? Pass over you. And that's why they celebrated the cedar or the Passover. And that's where he instituted the Lord's Supper. He said the difference is it's not a lamb's blood, physical lamb. It's the Lamb of God is my blood this time. Can you say, man, it's not the body of a lamb that you're, to, that you're going to eat tonight at the cedar, at the Passover. It's my body that's going to be spiritually partaken of. Can you say, man, hallelujah. But make no mistake about it, His blood was shed. And when God sees the blood, what happens? He grants mercy and grace to you because of the blood of Jesus and no other reason. There are people that do not believe that... In in the, in, the vac- in the death of Jesus on the cross as a necessity to salvation. And there's a false theology out there that says Jesus didn't die for our sins. And there's a way to be saved without the blood of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Amen. There is no... Sa- there is, without the shedding of blood, there is no sacrifice for sin. There is no way to God to forgive us because of our, our, our good works our good intentions amen our our righteousness the best we can present to him the bible said is as a filthy rag amen so how how are we going to get to heaven how are we going to make it you know there's a scripture that many people use for for a total works oriented salvation and it said blessed 
is he that keeps his commandments. That he might have the right in the book of Revelation. To enter into the gates of that city and to eat of the tree of life. And they take that out of context. And they try to use that as a proof text. For you've just got to be perfect enough to deserve heaven. Now that's the legalistic side. See, there's a pendulum here swinging. It can swing to legalism. It can swing back to liberalism. And both are equally wrong and dangerous. Can you say man? I don't want anybody to think here that you can live good enough to get to heaven. And I don't want anybody to think here that you can serve the devil all your life and go to heaven because of grace. For you're saved by faith, by grace through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But the next verse says, but we are created unto good works. Something has occurred within. Something has changed. That's why there's a struggle between the flesh and spirit. A change has come. Amen? A change. If a change hasn't come, newsflash, you're not saved. Brother Venable, you can't tell me that. Yes, I can. By the authority of God's Word. He that committeth sin. Everybody has sinned and come short. Everybody needs to repent from time to time. But we don't live. The Bible said don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let it be the rule of your life. Can you say man? He that committeth live habitually in without repentance. He that committeth sin is of the devil. First John. Come on, I didn't say you didn't join the church. I didn't say you didn't get baptized in water. I said you haven't changed masters. And one of the reasons is you didn't see this as a need and a necessity to salvation. Amen. Listen, Romans chapter 6 and verse 16. Listen to it carefully. Whoever... This is not salvation by works. This means that you've got to have a new master. You don't get saved and decide to what degree Jesus is going to be your master. You can't serve two masters. You can only serve one of them. You can't serve both of them. You can't claim Christ while serving Satan. And on the day of judgment, many... This is what's so disconcerting and this is why I would rather have some empty seats in here and never build the new building than to compromise the truth. If we can't build a church on truth, I don't want to build a church at all. And that's why I appreciate you being here today. And by the way, it's not just me. Some of you have told me personally, many of you in fact, if you, don't keep, if you didn't preach the truth, we wouldn't be here. Amen? We're not here because... It's going to, you know, we're going to be a bunch of business people that are going to help us with our business. We're not here to make connections. We're here to hear the truth. And the truth will make you free and set you free and keep you free and keep the enemy at bay. Praise God. Whoever you yield, your members, servants to obey, whether sin unto death or God unto righteousness. Whoever you obey is your master. That's why you can't serve two masters. For you will love one and hate the other. Or you will hate one and love the other. Can you say amen? 
And it's real important that when the gospel is presented and when the communion table, when we serve communion, this is not where you come to deal with God and negotiate with Him and say, how can I be saved and how much of this sin can I keep continuing in without repentance? That's not what communion table is for. The communion table is where you come and you agree to unconditional surrender. Where you present your body, all that you are and all that you have. In your body is your soul and your spirit. As Your body is just a container for it. But you bring body, soul, and spirit to God. And say, Lord, I struggle with my flesh, but my heart, look at my heart. And know that there is no other God that sits upon the throne of my life. Hallelujah. And certainly Satan doesn't sit there. Can you say amen? This claim to salvation without repentance, this claim to salvation without a change occurring in the heart is nothing more than a claim to salvation. And it's not what you're, it's not you saying that you know him. It's his acknowledgement of you that hinges where you spend eternity. For many will say unto me in that day, What are they saying? What's the first thing out of their mouth? The very thing that they would not allow in their life. Amen. The first thing out of their mouth is what they will not permit or allow in their life. Many. This is religion that gives people a panacea instead of the real salvation that changes them. We've got a bargain basement cheap cross gospel today. In fact, I just read online... One theology that's out there right now that's current is that that God would be a divine child abuser to kill His Son for us. That's that's old harsh mean religion. And see what the guy don't get is sin is not as offensive to sinners as it is to a holy God. And since we have this aversion to holiness, then we'll never understand why God had To give His Son as a sacrifice. But if you take away the sacrificial system, you take away the faith altogether. Because from Genesis to Revelation, there is a scarlet thread that runs through all of the Bible. Everything that happened in the Old Covenant was a type and a foreshadow of what Jesus would complete in the New Covenant. Can you say man? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Every piece of furniture in the tabernacle, hallelujah, was a type of Jesus Christ and what He would do to redeem us. And he was the last lamb. He was the last lamb. They went ahead with the sacrificial system that had no relevance after the cross. Because John said something that struck them. They couldn't get it. It was too, they didn't see it yet until after the cross and the resurrection. When Jesus came to be baptized of John, he said something that took them back. He said, behold, the lamb of God. Everybody knew what God's lamb was. is the lamb that was taken without spot and blemish from the herd and set apart to be taken up for each family to be sacrificed. When he said the lamb of God, he said this is God's lamb. He's not just coming to preach and do miracles. He can't just forgive you by saying I forgive you. He has to do something. 
to bring that forgiveness to you. He has to take your place. He has to take your sin. But when He does, hallelujah, God will be propitiated. Everything God requires to forgive you, reconcile you to Himself, make you a citizen of heaven before you even get there and write your name in the Lamb's book of life. Can you say amen? Is accomplished through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. When we make our radio broadcast on WSOL, I said, this is a great station. I'm glad I'm part of the broadcast family. And I'm glad you're part of the listening family. And I usually say on occasion that you can hear classic country music. You can't hear that just anywhere. Now, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I, I came up through the rock and roll era. I didn't come up through the, I know I'm from Kentucky. I like bluegrass. My dad played Christian bluegrass music on his fiddle. Amen. He's, we went into a music store, and I said, uh, he said, y'all got any fiddles here? And I thought they were going to rebuff him and say, all we have is violins. But, but they said there's a difference in, the, in the, a fiddle that's used for folk music and bluegrass music and a violin that's used in an orchestra. They, 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 they just manufacture it different. They tune it differently. And the guy was, said, yeah, we got fiddles and violins. And I thought, boy, that's, that's neat. <laughs> Amen. Fiddles and violins. Well, one thing is for sure. My dad thought all of the classical music was long hair music. <laughs> I don't mean long hair like the 60s and the hippies. I'm talking about classical stuff. And somebody could play that so beautifully, and he would just shake his head. <laughs> but somebody starts sawing on a fiddle to ain't no grave going to hold my body down and he's ready to get out there and get with it praise God I've seen those horse hair you know in the bow they, they use horse hair I've seen him saw that he called it sawing the fiddle <laughs> he sawed that fiddle amen and I saw those that horse hair just breaking apart and he'd have to have it redone or get him another bow praise God I've got his old fiddle case and it's beat up it's beat down but it's it's something of my daddy he didn't leave me no cadillac <laughs> he had a cadillac and i'm glad he didn't leave it to me it sat in the yard most of the time <laughs> they stole it and brought it back <laughs> parked it about two blocks away <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty bad, you know what I'm saying? That thing run hot on you if you go more than two blocks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he didn't leave me no mansion. He left me a house that had a fire in it after that, and we sold it for almost nothing to pay off the debt that was against all his credit cards, and, and we just ended up with zero and zilts, but I got his fiddle case. And I've got a legacy of his faith in Christ. And he had struggles in his faith, particularly when it came to his help and his healing. That's where he struggled. Not in, and even with his salvation. Because he came up when the blood of Jesus wasn't emphasized as it should be. But, but many of the works and the way you dress and all of these different things came. And listen, you ought to dress right. You ought to live right. There's things we ought to do as Christians. But none of those things without the blood of Christ can save anybody. Amen. Amen. And I got to be his personal minister for three and a half years. And I got him trusting in the blood of Jesus. My uncle was with a church that holiness 
was known as their hallmark, and there's nothing wrong with that. If there's anything we need, we need more holiness in the church and in the Christian life today. But it was holiness by outward appearance and not the inward of the heart. It was always expressed on how you wear your hair and whether or not you wear jewelry. Of course, they've all changed that because they, they've decided it wasn't. And I'm glad that they've, they don't put just the emphasis on the outward man. And maybe God can get them to take a good look at themselves and not just look at how they appear. Everybody here appears. You have a persona that you project. Everybody. without you, There's a persona. But guess what? God knows your heart. God knows your heart. Man looks where? Where we're putting on the show. Man looks at the outward appearance. Where's God looking? He's looking on the heart. And that's why the Bible said, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. Boy, that's a full-time job for me. I really don't have a lot of time to mess with you except what you give me on Sunday morning. Because I spend most of my time trying to keep my heart pure. Because when I need God, you have nothing to do with whether He will answer me or not. You can pray for me, but if I'm not right with God, He's not going to allow your prayer to override His spiritual law. When you stand, pray and forgive. If you don't forgive men, God won't forgive you. And it doesn't matter if you go call the hotline in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It doesn't matter if you get some saint that's a prayer warrior to pray for you. It doesn't matter how many people gather around you and pray for you. Can you say, man, God said, if you don't forgive men, I won't forgive you. And you can't, you can't get an answer to prayer without obtaining first mercy and grace from the throne of grace. And you can't get mercy if you don't give mercy. Amen. How many remember the song, My Boomerang Won't Come Back? He's old enough. Do you remember it? You're going to, get a, you're going to hear it this morning. Just a verse from it. How many remember My Boomerang Won't Come Back? It was a hit in the late 50s. Or, no, no, late 60s. Come on, you're not that. You, nobody knows it. Well, it was a hit for, it's a one hit wonder. It's what it was. And here's how it went. My, you know, you know the principle of boomerang? You can throw it to kill down in Australia. They used them, the aboriginals and others developed it. And you can throw it at a rabbit. And if it misses the rabbit, you haven't lost your boomerang. Because it's aerodynamically designed, wherever you throw it, it makes a circle and comes back. And you've got to be ready to catch it or duck. Can you say amen? Because it's coming back. And a guy had an ill-designed boomerang. Yeah, it came back. He had an ill-designed boomerang. He had never used it, but he assumed that it would come back when he threw it if he missed. And he missed, and it didn't come back. So he wrote a song. You're going to hear it today. This ain't long hair music. Can you say, man? This is not Bach and Beethoven. This is my boomerang won't come back. My boomerang won't come back. My boomerang won't come back. I've waved the thing all over the place. Chased it till I was blue in the face. I'm a big disgrace to the aboriginal race. 
Because my boomerang won't come back. Let me tell you about the spiritual boomerang effect. Blessed, listen to it. Here's spiritual boomerang. It always comes back. It's spiritual law. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That's good when that boomerang comes back. But judge not that you... That doesn't mean judge right from wrong. It means pass judgment on a person. You're in no condition to do that. You're in no position to do that. You can judge that they are wrong in their spirit and wrong in their activity, but you you can't judge what should happen to them. The Bible has prejudged certain things. We can tell them what the Bible says, but we can't step up and throw the stone and take the place of the judge. Only one is qualified to judge, and it's the one who never sinned, and that disqualifies the rest of us. We judge doctrine, we judge behavior, but the person, God knows their heart. We can't see it. And we have to trust that to the one who knows. Because we don't have that knowledge, and even if we had the knowledge, we're not in a position. Because he said to the woman that was caught in the act of adultery when Jesus came on that scene, and they all had their stones ready to, to kill her in the name of their justice. And they're ready to stone her to death. And without any mercy, without any concern. And Jesus came on the scene and he said, okay. He that's without sin. Let him cast the first stone. Without sin. Sinless. Oh, and by the way. That wasn't enough for them. Because they were so self-righteous. Jesus got down and wrote on the ground in the sand. You say, Brother Bumble, what did he write? It could only be one thing. He was writing the sins that he knew was in the heart of every man standing there. And they knew if he keeps on writing, my sin is going to come to surface. And you know what he's going to do after that? If I still have that rock in my hand, he's going to say, That's you. And that's you. And you know what they decided? Yeah, we do have some sin. Maybe we ought to get out of the judgment seat. Amen? Now, Jesus wasn't saying it's okay to sin and giving license. Because that woman looked at Him. And in her look, a question formed. And she asked Him. She said, what do you say? First, he said, woman, where are thine accusers? Because they all backed off. And then she looked at Jesus and said, what do you say? And Jesus answered her this way. Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. He saw where? What, what did he see? He saw her heart. He, 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 listen, this is so much has to do with the heart He looked at her heart. He saw repentance in her heart. He saw her desire to change in her heart. He saw it in her heart. And he said, listen. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and what? Go and what? Go and what? Go and what? Go on and be bound by sin and and live in sin. I'm just giving you a carte blanche forgiveness. No, go and sin no more. 
And that's what he says to us when he forgives us. See, let him that steal, somebody stole our lawnmower out of the shed and they broke the locks and took it away. It can't help but upset you when somebody takes something that's not only yours, but it's for the, it's for the Lord's land, it's for the Lord's service. But they do it because they don't fear the Lord and they don't fear the law anymore. One man drove a bus for the, uh, a big Baptist church in, in, uh, in Plant City at the time, one of the larger Baptist churches. He, he drove a bus for the bus ministry. And they kept stealing gas out of the tanks of the buses. They'd get out there on Sunday morning, go pick up the kids for Sunday school and the people that couldn't get to church any other way, and the buses are all dry of gasoline. So he, he, uh, he and another man, they decided to stay all night in the Sunday school department where they could see the buses. <laughs> and they took turns sleeping. And listen, we're in Plant City now. These are these are good old boys. 38s and 45s. <laughs> and they waited. And sure enough, they came. You know, we're getting away with it. You know, we're coming back and get do it again and again and again. So they went out. One of them had a 38. One of them had a 45. And they didn't shoot at them. They shot in the air. Bang! Well, I'm going to tell you something about all these guys that, that wasn't afraid of the law or God. They didn't like the gun. Amen. But guess who almost got arrested that night? The guy who fired the gun. But they didn't arrest them. They just warned them. And guess what? They didn't come back to get no more gas. There's people fear the gun that don't fear the law. And if they didn't fear the gun, they'd come in your house. They'd kill your children and take everything that you got. Ravage your wife. And kill you. Before old chocolate died, you didn't need no gun. He had a pit bull with a head like a big as that chair seat. Look, well, he looked big to me because I was kind of scared of him until I got to know him. You know old chocolate. You see old chocolate before? Oh, he's a big pit bull. He was he he was hanging around where he was a crossing guard for the sheriff's department and and abandoned by somebody. Man, that dog had muscles. Oh boy, he had a big old head on him and big old mouth on him. And when 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 we went to the door, old chocolate come to the door. He's looking us over and he's sniffing us up and down. And, and we got over to eat it to eat with them. And, and we sat down at the table and I felt something nudging my knee and old chocolates underneath the table. And I thought, I hope they fed that boy. Can you say amen? I hope he liked dark meat instead of white meat. Maybe, maybe that's why he ain't bit Brother Taylor yet. Can you say amen? We got some white meat down here. <laughs> I reach under there and touch his old head, man. First, he come out from under the table. My wife started petting him. He just rolled over on his back so she could rub his belly. But I'm going to tell you, if you met him at the door, he loved his family. Chocolate loved his family. If you come in with bad intentions, I believe that dog could sense it. And you did not want to mess with him. But there are people who don't fear God. And they don't fear the law. They've been to jail. They've been through a revolving door system. And they got right back out and they're doing the same old thing over and over again. But listen, when you come to Christ, when you come to Jesus, let him that steal, steal 
no more. You don't get baptized in water and join the church and continue living habitually in sin. Salvation has not occurred. I'm not talking about sinless sinless perfection to get into heaven. I'm talking about a heart that has been changed. Hallelujah. The heart experiences a change if salvation occurs. That's what baptism represents. The old man is what? He's dead and buried with Christ. It's not the water that does it. It's the Holy Spirit that does it. Can you say man? And we're raised to do what? To live in the same old habits and serve the same old master. No, we're raised to do what? To walk in the newness of life. Can you say man? That is not salvation by works. That is proving by works that salvation has occurred. Oh! Feels good to be free. I like what an Indian said. An Eskimo, actually, where they had preached Christ in Alaska, and this man had come to Christ. And the missionary that led them to Christ came back after there was a minister of, of their own uh, uh, ethnic group in the pulpit. He came back a year later and he asked one of the parishioners, He said, How is your walk with God? He wanted to know if they'd really gotten saved. He said, my walk with God is good. He said, my walk with God is good. He said, but if I do, despite what His Word teaches me, and I know to be His will, He said, it's like a sharp object on all sides spins in my chest, and it hurts my heart until I repent. And He said, in fact, there's a good dog and a bad dog in me and they fight most all the time and the missionary said which one wins he said the one i feed the most can you say man hallelujah you get in church you get a hunger for righteousness hallelujah you're going to be filled and your flesh and your spirit are going to war until christ comes or you go home but if you feed your spirit you can crucify your flesh can you say man hallelujah and listen if you truly been saved you'll want to win that battle you will not just give in constantly you will fight back Submit yourself unto God and resist the devil. And what happens then? Does he triumph anyway? Is he stronger than Christ in you? No, he has to flee from you. Not because he wants to, but because he has no other choice. Because he can claim no ground in you. That's why the Bible said give no place. The Greek word is terra firma. When I first, we had our first home, we lived in a mobile home. In fact, we lived in a trailer. In fact, the name of the trailer, because it had leather on the top of it, halfway down was aluminum. It was a sharp trailer. My dad bought it from some gypsies that went broke and were, were at a gas station and couldn't go no further because it's out of gas and out of money. And he bought it cheap to come from Kentucky to Florida so we'd have a place to live in. It's about 35 foot long and 8 foot wide. And guess what the name of it was? A covered wagon. So I tell people, amen, that when I first, as a baby, they brought me to Florida, we lived in a covered wagon. <laughs> I'm old, but I'm not that old. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But that's, that's where we live. But we bought a piece of land. My dad worked 
and my mom worked, and they bought a piece of land. And at that time, Jim Walter Holmes, here's what they would do. If you owned your land, that stood as a down payment. They would build you a house on the land because you made the deed if you defaulted over to them. As long as you made the payments, you could live in your house. You default on your payments, they get your house and your land. Terra firma. Terra firma. Listen, when it said give no place to the devil, it means don't deed him no property in your life by obeying him instead of Christ. Because if you give him land, guess what he's going to do? He's going to build a stronghold on it in your life. If you continue, amen, uh, to, to seek the habits that bind you after becoming a Christian, you're giving place. He has no authority unless you give it to him. He doesn't have it. He Listen, you've been translated. The scripture said, everybody say Star Trek. Now I'm going to ask a question. How many has ever seen Star Trek? How many know what Captain Kirk, when he was in trouble, would ask Scotty to do for him? Beam me up, Scotty. Can you say man? There's a Greek word similar to that sci-fi phenomenon. And it's moved. He's on a planet. And he's, he's, he's disintegrated into molecules. And the molecules are reintegrated, amen, through a transporter back on the good ship Enterprise. Isn't that incredible? There's a Greek word, and it's called translated. And the Bible said something spiritual has happened when you become a Christian. Not only have you been supernaturally regenerated, amen, in a a heart. God has written His laws on the tables of your heart, not just tables of stone, a work of the Holy Spirit. But, But you have been translated. You have been translated out of the powers of darkness. That means He has no dominion over you. He has no authority over you. All He can do is tempt you, but He can't make you do nothing no more. You're not a slave, amen, to Satan. You're a servant to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 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 Translated in the Greek means move from one state of being into another. Can you say amen? Out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. A kingdom of light. And so the Bible said once that occurs, you're a holy nation. Set apart unto God. Purified. You're a peculiar people. Most of us think we are peculiar. Can you say man? Well, we are. But it's not in that sense. It's not in the weird sense. Uh, most people thinking weird. Say, yeah, they're weird. They're weird. They won't sell their soul for, for, they won't sell their soul for gold and silver. They won't sell out Christ for sin and its temporary pleasures. They're peculiar people. Can you say, man? They won't take that raise if it keeps them out of church because they're peculiar people. Can you say, man? They won't follow what takes them away from God's glory, God's service, and God's work because they're different. It's peculiar in this sense. Because of a blood covenant. That's what made them peculiar. It's what made ancient Israel. It was the covenant with Abraham. Ours is a blood covenant with Christ. But it makes us like no people anywhere on the planet earth. We're peculiar in the sense that we are blood bought. 
children of the Most High God, a peculiar people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood that we might show forth, exemplify the praises of Him. That's not how we worship the praises of Him. The Greek word for praises is virtues. We show forth the virtues of Christ, the character and nature of Jesus Christ. That called us what? Out of darkness into what? This marvelous light. Hallelujah. And by the way, when you get in this light, the devil knows that you're a luminary for Christ. And he'll fight you tooth and toenail. After you were illuminated. Hebrews 10.32 After you were illuminated. After you were translated out of darkness into the marvelous light. After you were illuminated. You endured... A little bit of trouble now and then. No, you endured a great fight of afflictions. Oh, biblical principle here. Even in the Old Covenant, many, not a few little things, but constant, consistent opposition. People think they're going to get a free ride down a water slide when they come to Jesus. Can you say amen? But that's not the case. That is not the case. That is not the case. You come to Jesus, put your armor on. Every piece of it. Amen. But don't be intimidated either. Because God has equipped us for victory. We're more. Oh no, we're not just conquerors getting by. We're more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Can you say amen? And we have authority over the devil. And we have authority over our own flesh let not sin what reign in your mortal body to fulfill it in the lust thereof if you spit in my face on the way out today i will want to hit you even though you can whoop me (laughs) i know you look at them shoulders somebody get him a uniform the bucks need him can you say man they need him bad Oh, you got want-tos. Don't tell me. Don't look at me super sanctified today. I know you better than that. How do you know me, Brother Venable? Because you live in one of these things I live in. You live in a clay vessel. And there are no super sanctified saints that live in clay vessels. We all have problems with our flesh. Amen? Every last... But there is a victory in Jesus. It's so important to understand today what the blood of Jesus has done. We have been regenerated. A change has been made in our heart by the Holy Spirit. And as we behold, and the Spirit's work is continuing, as we behold as in a glass His face. That word glass means mirror. And we don't see ourselves in that mirror of the Word. We see Him. But we want to be more like Him. And because we have the want to and the will to be more like Christ, as we behold as in a glass His face, reflected through the Word of God, the only accurate portrait of Christ is in the Word of God. We are transformed into His image. We become more like Him. It's progressive in degrees from glory to glory. Even as by the Spirit of God, when you want to be more like the one you see so beautiful in Scripture, the Holy Spirit goes, is free to go to work to make you more like Him. But if you don't want to be like Jesus and you just want to be like Him, 
I'm not saying you're not a wonderful guy. I'm just saying you're not Jesus. You're not divine. You're a branch in divine. Is that okay with you just to be a branch in divine? He's divine. You're the branch. Can you say amen? I want to be more like Christ. And that's why I haven't, I haven't stopped growing in God. Because I don't know if you've noticed. You probably haven't noticed. But I'm not there yet. But if you hang around me enough, you'll see I'm not there yet. But if you hang around me enough, you'll see that I want to be more like Him. Amen. Status quo is being like them. It's not between you and Him and them. It's between you and Him. Can you say, man? So it's not what other people do or how they applaud me or don't applaud me. Did you know you can put me down and ain't going to keep God from blessing me? You have no control over that. I'm so glad. And you can lift me up and it ain't going to make God bless me. Because you have no control over that. It gets down to God knowing my heart. And God deciding whether I'm worthy. In fact, Paul said, God counted me worthy. I didn't have to go before a board. I didn't have to get anybody's permission. God counted me worthy. God counted me worthy. Putting me. No, he counted me faithful. Putting me into the ministry. Can you say amen? He counted me faithful. And if the ministry doesn't show forth that God's hand's in it, then, you know, you look for somewhere else. Everybody should be where you're comfortable and where you're conformable. That's why we have an open-door policy here. Amen? Amen? It's wide open. And down through the years, our congregations have been like waves coming in. Wave comes in, the wave goes out, and a wave comes in, the wave. There's never been a time that a wave went out that another wave didn't come in. And that's why we're headed for 43 years. <laughs> Hallelujah. God makes a way, and God sustains because God loves us. And we're just doing what we can do for Jesus as long as we can with everything that we can. And that's why we appreciate everybody that helps us do it so very much. You're part of that wave, hallelujah, that came in and stayed in. Thank the Lord for you today. Is that okay? Amen. Hallelujah. This is why communion is so important that we get it, that we understand it. We're proclaiming we have been saved because we have accepted the Savior, Jesus Christ. And we've been saved by one element. Let me finish Revelation. We've received communion. Blessed is he that keeps his commandments, that he might have the right to enter through the gates into that city and to eat of the tree of life. That's eternal life. Well, what is his commandment? He commandeth men. This is the New Testament. He commandeth men everywhere, prerequisite for salvation, to repent. At one time, God winked at ignorance, but he said, the light has come, the truth has come. And now he commandeth men everywhere to do what? To repent. How many have repented of sin? How many have received Christ as your Savior? Then a change has come in your heart. You've been translated. Satan, if you don't give him ground, 
He won't build no house on it, no stronghold in your life. We won't have to pray for you for deliverance because you won't need it. But if you've been fooled and duped and defrauded into doing that, and you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life, we can tear that house down and tell the occupant, you don't have 30 days to get out. In fact, you don't have three days to get out. In fact, you don't have but three seconds to get out of there. Long enough for me to say in the name of Jesus, leave. Can you say amen? And I'll guarantee you any stronghold, any habit, anything that's holding you back, every chain will be broken in the name of Jesus. If it isn't broken, you don't really want to be free. But if you want to be free, Satan has no control. He has no choice but to go. Hallelujah. 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 Woo! What a communion we're going to have today. Wouldn't it be great if we just all got healed, number one, and we walked out of here without a feeble one among us. Glory to God. Wouldn't it be great if we all got sanctified and sin had no power over us and we could walk out of here and declare who the Son says free is free indeed. Wouldn't it be great if we could walk out of here with the joy of our salvation restored and say, thank God, I'm a child of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord of everything in my life, including me. Hallelujah. Glory to His name. Father, we thank You today. We thank You today. We thank You today. Did I? I didn't. Then I will. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God is so gracious. I know I, I know I have preached a long time. I can't seem to not preach a long time anymore. It seems like God has so much to say. It's not just me. God has so much to say. He that hath an ear, let him hear. What who has to say? What the Spirit has to say to the church. And when God comes on me, I feel like the Spirit of God wants to say something to His people. And I'm going to tell you something about the Holy Spirit. He don't own a Rolex. He don't have a Timex. He's not on our schedule. Can you say, man, the church needs revival more than you need the mall. The church needs revival. We need answers prayer. We need people healed and helped more than we need to go fishing or play golf. Early morning services are not just because there's too many people to get in the building. It's because there's so many people that don't want Sunday to cramp their day off. They want to tee off at 10 o'clock at the golf course, so give me a 45-minute quickie. I call it a sermonette for Christianettes that live in spiritual bassinets. Can you say amen? But I've been noticing the Baptist church on the corner. We've been staying late, and some of them still in church. And I'm saying, what in the world are they doing in there? That's not your average Baptist church. Which everybody's got their watch set. The preacher's supposed to stop within a gnat's eyebrow of 12 o'clock. Can you say amen? Because if he goes a gnat's eyebrow over, he's putting us through something that we cannot endure and will not endure. They'll leave. And if enough of them leave, the board will make him leave. Because they hired him. And they can fire him. But the hireling fleeth. 
when he sees the wolf coming. He's not going to put his life on the line because it's a job and a profession. But the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He says, you're going to have to go through me to get to them. And I'm willing to put my life on the line so they can be safe and secure from the wolf. God is so good. Jesus is the great good shepherd. But I'd sure like to be more like him. How about it today? How many would like to be more like him? How many want to walk out of here with a deeper sense of sanctification? A holy nation. A royal priesthood of peculiar people. Showing forth his virtues to a gainsaying world. Amen. Man that just killed all the people in Oregon. He had a real beef with organized religion. Particularly Christianity under that banner. And he asked people a pointed question. Are you a Christian? What is your faith? And the ones that said, I am a Christian, he killed. And the ones that didn't speak, he shot in the leg to wound. Well, I'm going to tell you something today. I'm a Christian. I'm not just a preacher or a clergyman. I'm a Christian. And I would not hesitate to answer, not only looking down the barrel of a gun, but looking at the faces of those who I I know hate what the Bible stands for in this generation. And there's a lot of hate out there for the Christian faith and Christians who follow the Bible. But I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And not only that, but I'm armed. I put on the armor of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is so good. Would you bow your head for a moment? Father, we're about to receive Holy Communion. Help us to walk out of here and recognize that we are set apart unto you for a holy purpose. We are in the world, but not of it. That makes us a very peculiar people down here. We want to maintain that distinctiveness as the children of God. The children of God. The children of light in a sin-darkened world. A sin-enslaved world. I want to thank you for the people in this room that have peace today. I want to thank you for everyone that came in this building with love for the brethren. I want to thank you for people here that can show, not just tell. This is, this, is, this is show and tell, not tell without showing. That can show forth the virtues of Him, not just tell people about Him, but can act like He acts, forgive like He forgives, and love like He loves. Help us to walk out of here in such a state as we surrender to Your Lordship and the Spirit's leadership. And everyone that can agree with that prayer said, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Would you serve us, Holy Communion, someone? Remember Alice? There's gangrene in a foot, and they're having trouble getting the fluid out of her because of the kidney problem. And she's been admitted to the hospital, and she's, we put her prayerfully in the hands of God, and we'll continue to hold her before the Lord today. God is so good. God is so good. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, brethren, for serving us. Thank you. Servant-hearted men of God. Thank you. Elementary school, we would have show and tell. 
in church we've got tell. Just tell people. Tell. 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 We can't show them. We can't show them His love in our families. Believe me, your, your children, your spouses know. They know you, not you, not you in religious garb for Sunday morning. But they know you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And if you can't show them, I'm going to tell you something, you can't tell them anything. One person put it this way, your life is speaking so loud. Someone trying to witness. Your life is speaking so loud. I can't hear a word that you're saying. I, had, I worked with people when I was bivocational for 12 years that tried to corner everybody and lead them to Christ. But their life spoke so loud. One man put a burrito in the microwave and the burrito blew up because he said it on five minutes. And I'm going to tell you, old burrito is going to blow and when that burrito blew, we had one microwave, and it was full of blown-up burrito. <laughs> and everybody else waiting in line, got 30 minutes to eat. And that guy that was witness to everybody, he lost it. I thought he was going to fight the man. He lost it, and he said bad words, and he meant ill intent. He lost it before everybody. And they knew he had a short fuse and a bad temper and a bad attitude. And then when he tries to tell people about Jesus, guess what? They didn't hear a word that he had to say. We need to walk out of here as followers of Christ. This is show and tell. Show first before you try to tell anybody anything. Can you say, man, glory to God. You've got to show somebody something. Come on, you can't be fronting when you're dealing with God Almighty and this gainsaying world. Praise God. I was so glad for the people that would come to me and say, I want to talk to you when we get off and call my wife from the parking lot because somebody, I didn't have to go seeking somebody out. All I had to do was show. And they would ask me to tell. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. But you know something? I had to show my wife too. I had to show my children. I couldn't just tell her. I had to show her. Come on. Come on. You can't just be a Bible preacher, Bible teacher. You've got to show somebody something. And what do you have to show them? You have to show them that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Be a follower of God as dear children and walk in love even as He walked. Can you say man? And I don't mind telling you I'm not there yet. But I've spent my whole life seeking to get there. I've never sat down somewhere and said, I have arrived. I don't need anything anybody has to say. I don't need to repent. I don't need to grow. No, I'm still growing and going for God. And I pray that I'm a better husband to my wife. I want to keep being a better husband. I want to keep making her feel cherished. Because that's how Christ loves the church. Can you say, man, I want to be a better daddy to my children. So when I tell them about God... I've already shown them something that it makes them want to know Him. Can you say, man, hallelujah, glory to God. I want to show y'all something around here. Hallelujah. I want to show you something too. I want to show you that serving Jesus is the greatest life in the world. Hallelujah. I want to worship with you and I want to pray with you. And I want to, I want to stand with you when you go through your battles. Because I've been in those valleys. And God is a gracious and a good God. How many people got room in your heart 
to become more like Christ today? How many want to show and tell this world? Hallelujah. You are the light. The luminaries. You are the salt. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Heavenly Father, we're all clay vessels here. Help us to realize that. To let your light shine through us. Let your love flow through us in the name of Jesus today. Lord, you let that happen. You set the great example. And you said at that Passover meal, this is my body broken for you. As often as you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. They didn't know what it meant till they saw him hanging between heaven and earth. His body broken so terribly. Then they knew. They knew. You may eat the bread. He walked over at the Passover meal. Four cups were poured with the fruit of the vine. The third one, and everything that happened at that meal, the children were at the table. This is show and tell. Show and tell. And the children were supposed to ask, what does that mean? And they were supposed to rehearse their deliverance from Egypt. And when they ask about the third cup, what does that represent? And the third cup was the cup of redemption. That through a price paid, through a price paid, they were ransomed from slavery in Egypt. And Jesus went straight for that cup because that was a type of himself. As the final sin offering, he picked it up. And he said, as often as you drink this cup, this cup, not any one of the four, but this particular peculiar one, you show the Lord's death till he come. Can you say, man, how many have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus? That's the cup that we have drank from. The cup of redemption and then the cup of salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. You may drink the cup today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to walk out of here as your servant. Hallelujah. I want to serve my family, serve the church, serve you. Tell others about you in Jesus' holy name. Will you stand to your feet today? Let's give God some glory in this room. He's so worthy. He's so worthy. He's so very worthy today. Thank you, Lord. You can give your cups to our, our servant-hearted brothers today. Hallelujah.